You're listening to the Brooks Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith, faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooke Snow. You have episode 65, Changing Your Identity. So did you create your goals for 2020 yet? <laughs> have you noticed any of the same resolutions appear on this year's list? that may have had an appearance on last year's list or the year before. Why do you think we struggle with the same things over and over? I'm excited to share with you in today's episode, a major missing piece in goal setting that I believe changes everything. It's the secret to lasting change and making our efforts finally stick. If you want this year to be the year you move forward on that one thing that keeps returning each year, you will love this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, I know you would love my book, Living in Your True Identity. It's available on Amazon and filled with 21 tools to help you live life as the best version of yourself. Thank you to all of you who have left a review for this podcast or have taken the time to share it with a friend. As you may know, I am not active on social media. This is a deliberate choice that helps me to have the creativity and focus to make this podcast the best that it can be. So the only way this podcast grows is by word of mouth. It's by you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this with your friends and support this effort. I love you for it. Today's review of the week comes from Sarah. She says, Brooke's podcast is my absolute favorite. I try to apply many of the topics she covers, but recently find myself focusing on floors and ceilings. I get distracted and overwhelmed by all the possibilities of goals or tasks to complete. Learning to set a floor has helped me tremendously with anything from planning my daily to-do list to setting health and fitness goals. My sister and I regularly ask each other, what is your floor for that? (laughs) She seamlessly blends personal development and gospel principles in a way that always resonates. The effort she puts into the podcast is clear and comes across in her delivery. I am so very grateful for her. I often try out new podcasts and always come back to Brooks after a couple of minutes. Somehow, every episode is what I need to hear on that day. Words simply cannot express how much I enjoy this podcast. It has been a huge support on hard days and a perfect boost on the good days. I look forward to every episode. Thank you a million times, Brooke. Sarah, oh my goodness, thank you so much for your review. I am thrilled that the floors and ceiling principle has helped you in your life and that you are constantly asking, What is the floor (laughs) for the things that you're working on? This is so awesome. And I have to say that this little principle is absolutely life-changing, especially if you are looking for ways to be more consistent. For any new listeners who are unfamiliar with this principle, the basic idea is that the ceiling is your perfect ideal habit goal and the floor is a tiny micro version of that. You can find more about this in episode 61, Floors and Ceilings. Because life is dynamic and it's constantly changing, it's pretty difficult to do our perfect ideals every day. But when we give ourselves permission to have variations on what that looks like, and we even have a tiny minimum effort version, we suddenly open the door to our ability to literally move forward every single day in whatever we are working on. This is so powerful. I have received so much amazing feedback from people who say this has totally changed their life, that I have a little gift for the new year that I'd like to offer you. I've taken this principle of floors and ceilings, and I made it into a little downloadable ebook. 
For the next two weeks, you can snag it for free at the link in the show notes. I hope that it will help you make 2020 your best year yet. Sarah, keep moving forward. Thank you for reminding us of floors and ceilings, especially at this time of year, when it seems like we're all pretty practiced at creating big, perfect goals to aim towards in the new year. Set a floor with all those goals and you are bound to see more success than ever before. If you want to be the reviewer of the week, please leave me a five-star review in iTunes and share your favorite takeaway so far. Your ratings and your reviews and your shares, this is what makes this podcast possible. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing. Well, my friends, it's my favorite time of year, a brand new year, a brand new decade. My goal setting self totally loves the spirit of reflecting on the past year and looking forward to growth in the year to come. I wanted to share with you one of the most profound shifts I experienced this year when it comes to goals, and I hope it will be helpful as you look to the year ahead. As mentioned in Sarah's review, as you're looking at your goals and you're setting things up for yourself, I invite you to remember to create a floor and a ceiling. Remember, the ceiling is your perfect ideal goal. The floor is a micro tiny version of the same goal. This allows for you to show up in your life and in your goals consistently because you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be all or none. Progress happens because small and simple is an option (laughs) and you have a variation of something that you can do to move forward every day in your habits, no matter how much time or energy that you have. In October, 2018, I read the book Atomic Habits. This book is amazing. And one of my biggest takeaways from the book was a little diagram that James Clear teaches about goals. He calls it the three layers of behavioral change. Now, I want you to imagine in your mind with me, three circles. The outermost circle is labeled outcomes. And the next circle inside is labeled process. And then the center circle is labeled identity. So one more time, imagine in your mind, three circles, the outermost circle is labeled outcomes. And inside that, the next circle is labeled process. And the very innermost circle is labeled identity, outcome, process, identity. Got it? (laughs) James Clear teaches that most of the time we set outcome-based goals, this outer circle, we decide that we want to lose 20 pounds, or we want to learn to play the piano or speak a new language. We want to improve our marriage. We want to write a book. We want to start a business. We pick outcome as goals. Unfortunately, most people don't ever figure out the next layer in, which is the process. The process is the actual habits that lead to the outcome. John Maxwell said, you will never change your life until you change something you do every day. Progress lies in your daily routine. It can be easy to keep our goals out in the future. (laughs) They're out in the future as outcomes and forget to bring them into the everyday and ascribe a process of what we are going to do every day to get there. Your habits create your life. As we figure out the habits and process, this will lead us to our goal. Perhaps we're going to change the habit of how we eat every day, and that's what leads us to losing 20 pounds. 
or we commit to the habit of practicing the piano every day. And that leads to the outcome of playing the piano. You get the idea. Any outcome goal that you have ever accomplished has required a process or habit to get there. But remember, there were actually three circles, right? Do you remember what the innermost circle was? What was the one in the very center? We had outcome, process, identity. Identity is the innermost circle. This, my friends, is the layer of behavioral change that most people aren't even aware of, let alone most people never address your identity. If you've ever set an outcome goal and you've even gone as far as picking a habit or process and you really tried to do the process, but you failed, chances are pretty much 100% that you didn't also change your identity. Most people work on goals from the outside circle inward. James Clear argues that the most effective and powerful direction is to work on your goals from the innermost circle out. Start with identity. Having written my own book about identity, you can probably imagine how profound this was for me to read. I was astonished. It was like my whole life suddenly made sense. How many times had I tried to lose weight, an outcome, and I'd try to start a process, usually exercise, and then things just sort of fizzled and I didn't stay consistent and I didn't ever reach the outcome that I wanted. If I have the goal to lose weight and I have a habit process to get there, but my identity is still stuck on believing that I am overweight. I see myself as someone who just can't lose weight or someone who just doesn't like exercise. My old identity is basically self-sabotaging all my efforts. So let's get super practical about this. I want to share with you the most massive identity shift that I had this year and the resulting outcome it brought into my life. As I share this experience, I invite you to think about an outcome that you are hoping for in 2020. What is the most important outcome that you would like to see in your health, your faith, your relationships, or in your work? What is it? What is that outcome that you would like? Now ask yourself what your current identity is. Do you see yourself as a person who can totally reach that outcome? Do you believe that you can be that person? Are you clear on what that new identity is? Last year, around this same time, I joined the Optimize Coaching Certification Program with Brian Johnson. Brian is someone that I have followed for years, and I absolutely adore him. So when he announced he was doing a certification program, I was so on board. So what is Optimize Coaching? It's a little different than life coaching. Basically, it's helping people to optimize their life through getting really clear on their identity and their habits. We look at every area of your life, your energy, your work, your love. What is the identity that you want to have in each area? And what are the habits to support that? Once you know your identity and you keep that in the forefront of your mind and you do the habits to support this identity, outcomes start happening right and left. It's default. Progress and achievement is inevitable. So one of the attractive features of this program was the astonishing high standards required for those certifying to become coaches. 
We were required to live everything we were taught and could not graduate unless we had done all the required work and required habits for over 200 days of the program. And to top it off, we were told that to graduate, we would be required to run a Spartan race to prove that we were in the best shape of our lives. Friends, <laughs> do you know what a Spartan race is? Let's just say that it involves jumping over fire, scaling walls, crawling under barbed wire, carrying buckets of gravel and sandbags, and any other number of wild obstacles found on a 5K course that takes you over mountains and through lakes and rivers along the way. Now, truth be told, none of those obstacles were what was frightening to me. I'm in decent shape and I've trained the last few years as a cyclist and I do yoga every day. I wasn't even afraid to jump over fire and carry heavy buckets. I can climb a wall. But what was I most afraid of? Running. <laughs> running. I hated running. Like, I super passionately have hated running my entire life. I was 38 years old and I couldn't say that I had ever voluntarily run in my life. I'd run for PE in school, but that was a long time ago. Running hurt. Running was painful. Running was drudgery. It was high impact on my body. I hated running so much that when I was in graduate school and I first met my husband, one of our first dates, I found out that he hated running. And it was like the angels saying, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, you mean I hate running and you hate running? We should totally get married. <laughs> so for the next 12 years of marriage, every time that either one of us would see a runner outside, one of us would say, why would someone do that? Running is the worst. <laughs> in fact, I hated running so much that for years and years, I have said, I would rather ride my bike 100 miles before running one. True to my word, in 2018, I rode my first century bike race. I rode my bike 100 miles <laughs> when the thought of even running one mile was absolute torture. So now, with that context, here I am faced with this amazing coaching certification program that I'm thrilled about. And there's this tiny little problem of not being able to graduate unless I run a Spartan race. In the beginning, I was really irritated. Why did Brian pick a Spartan? That's his thing. That's what he likes to do. I can totally prove that I'm in the best shape of my life doing something more my style. I can ride my bike a hundred miles after all. <laughs> you have to be in good shape to do that. Summer came and went and I kept doing my yoga and training on my bike but the December Spartan race kept looming in the back of my mind. And I knew that eventually I was going to have to start running. But I also knew that the only way in the world I could ever be successful was if I changed my identity. For years, I had had the identity of, I hate running. If I kept that identity and I tried to change my habits, there is no way that I would last. My old identity would sabotage my efforts. I would give up. It would be awful. It would be painful. Yes, the only way to be successful was if I changed my identity. 
I started by inserting some new affirmations into my morning meditation. I am a runner. I love running. Running loves me. (laughs) I started these affirmations weeks, weeks before I ever started running for real. I needed to start changing who I believed I was. I visualized myself running and loving it. I told myself I would start running once I had shoes. Yes, I didn't even own running shoes. Are you surprised? (laughs) The shoes arrived on a Tuesday afternoon, and I told myself that Wednesday morning was the day. So my outcome goal was to eventually be able to run three miles. That's a ceiling, by the way. (laughs) So I created a floor goal too. My floor was to put on my shoes and walk to the trail behind my house. That's it. Every day for the next five months, I'd at least put on my shoes and walk to the start of the trail. Anything beyond that was a bonus. So Wednesday morning, I get up, I put on my shoes, and I walk to the trail. Success! I totally did my floor. (laughs) I was feeling pretty good. So I decided that I could run to the big tree. The big tree was only about 100 yards away. I ran to the big tree. That took about 30 seconds. (laughs) And since I'd already spent all summer biking, my endurance was decent. So I just kept running. I ran. I repeated in my mind, I am a runner. I love running. Running loves me. Over and over and over again, the whole run. 15 minutes later, I returned home having run my first mile in over 20 years. Yes, friends, it was probably a 15-minute mile, super slow. (laughs) I took a break halfway through. This was so far out of my comfort zone. But I was building a new identity, and I was banned from keeping the old one. I forbade myself to say anything negative about running. I was changing my story. I love running. Running loves me. (laughs) And so it continued for the next five months. I gradually increased my distance. And every time I crossed the finish line on my driveway, I would put my hands in the air in victory pose and I'd sing a little song I learned on Sesame Street. We are very proud of you. (laughs) It was important to celebrate every tiny win. Most importantly, though, I changed my story. My identity changed. I became a runner. And to my astonishment, I actually started to believe the new story that I really did like running. On December 7th, 2019, I met up in Los Angeles, California with over 500 other friends who had been in the coaching certification program with me. And we all ran the Spartan together. We were the second largest team ever in Spartan history. And if I was told correctly, the first largest team in Spartan history was the U.S. military. (laughs) So 500 of us all gathered together, having just spent 300 days together, all working on our identity and our habits. For most of us, this was our first ever Spartan. And in all the stories I heard from others, I was not the only one that had to change my identity to even do it. I ran. I did the race. To my surprise, it was incredibly fun and so inspiring. 
There were obstacles that I could not do on my own. There were walls I couldn't get over by myself. Spartan encourages teamwork, and I am so thankful for the many guys who boosted me over walls that were taller than myself. I'm grateful to my friend Davina, who did the coaching program with me, and she helped me carry the 75-pound muddy atlas ball that kept slipping out of my hands. I'm grateful to the two strangers who pulled me over one of the final walls after I made my way to the top, climbing a rope, and then right before getting there, I fell back on my bum, totally stuck. Those two strangers pulled me over. (laughs) I completed the race only by help from others. I was dirtier than I had ever been in my life, and I felt so happy and amazing. The whole event was a major life metaphor. We're all on a course. We all face obstacles. Many we will not be able to accomplish on our own. We must learn to receive help from others and to give help to others around us. We're going to get dirty, perhaps really, really, really dirty. (laughs) Life is messy. It was totally an achievement to do the race, to finish the race. In fact, the slogan for Spartan is, you'll know at the finish line. So what do you know at the finish line? (laughs) I'm sure it's different for everyone, but for me, I knew I needed the help of everyone who helped me. I knew that I could do far more than I ever understood. I knew I could do hard things. I knew that it wasn't half as scary as I had thought it would be. And that hard things can be really, really fun when you have a team to help you. The finish was elating. Yet, what I was most proud of, what I was most proud of was everything that happened before race day. Five months of totally changing my identity and my beliefs about who I was. To go from an identity of 38 years of absolutely hating running to crossing a finish line of a 5K obstacle course was one of the biggest identity shifts of my entire life. I know firsthand the power of starting with identity, then moving to process, and then the outcome is inevitable. Identity, process, outcome. Identity, process, outcome. There may be outcomes that you want this year that require a change in your identity. Perhaps you have a story or beliefs about yourself that is in direct opposition to the outcome you want. Maybe your old identity has been, I hate cooking. (laughs) I hate meal planning. I hate housework. I hate budgeting. I'm just not good with money. I hate exercise. I hate getting up early. I'm just not a morning person. I'm not good at scripture study. I just don't understand the scriptures and I can't get into them. Funny how it's usually a resolve to improve these things that so often appear on our New Year's resolutions because we know deep down that we need to change this thing about ourselves that we really, really dislike. I can promise you that if you don't change your identity, the outcome simply won't happen or it won't stick. Even if I somehow managed to grit my teeth and endure training for the Spartan and I had finished, there is no way that I would have been out on the trail again the next day I got home. We set outcome goals for ourselves because we want them to stick. We want them to change us forever so that we don't keep repeating the process of having the same thing surface year after year as the things we know we need to change in our life. 
You must let go of the old identity to come into the new. Have you ever had the same thing appear every year on the things that you want to change or accomplish? There's been some things that have showed up every year for decades on my list, and I never seem to be able to move forward. Now I'm checking things off that list on a consistent basis. Change your identity. Find your process and habits to support it, and the outcome is inevitable. So what is that one thing for you, that one thing that keeps showing up? What if this was the year that things finally changed and it lasted? What if this was the year that you changed your identity and met that outcome? What if this was the year that that one thing that you have tried so many times to accomplish could finally be checked off your list? It starts with identity. Change your identity, then find the process, that daily habit that you do every day. Remember a floor and a ceiling and then keep doing it every day. Remember, not every day has to be perfect. That's why you have floors and ceilings. Not every day will you have the time or energy to perfectly execute your process. That's why you have floors and ceilings, but show up every day. And I can promise you that by small and simple things, great things come to pass. Change comes to pass. Transformation comes to pass. Lasting change and transformation come to pass. Aiming for this outcome goal without changing our old identity is a very old struggle that mankind is long familiar with. In the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, we're told no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus invites us to lose our life to find it. If we want to find this new life that we seek and these outcomes that we aspire to, we have to lose our life. Or in other words, we have to lose the old identity. This concept of letting go of an old identity is symbolic in many parts of the gospel. Even the act of baptism signifies burying the old self and being reborn in a new life as followers of Jesus Christ. When we set about to change our life in any measure, we will be required to let go of our old identity, to literally let it die and bury it. We find power and strength in the new identity with Jesus Christ. His redeeming and enabling power of the atonement is the power source that we need to move forward. He can redeem us from our old identity and bring us into the new identity that we hope to create. But this new identity, it takes time to create. We have to change our words, change our story, and change our actions. Some days are easier than others, but as we learn to co-create this identity with him, the process is lighter and beautifully empowering. This past year was one of the most amazing years of my life. I've officially lost 60 pounds. I've improved my relationships. I've improved my business. All of this required changing my identity and having a process, little habits to help me move forward every day. If this simple process resonates with you and you'd like to see how it can change your life, I invite you to join me in my next group mentoring program. It's called... Mastering the art of showing up. And guess what we do? We get clear on our new identity. 
We show up as our true selves. We show up in our habits. We do it every day. But the best part is that we learn how to do this in a way that is doable, sustainable, loving, forgiving, and compassionate. What would happen if you mastered the art of showing up in your true identity and in those habits that improve your relationships, your health, and your work? This program is going to start in February, and I have not officially opened doors yet, but if you're eager to be one of the first to know the moment it launches, start with the Floors and Ceilings ebook that I've created for you. Change your identity. Tell yourself who you really are and who you want to be. Tell a new story. Change your identity. Imagine your life with this new identity that's required to reach the outcome of your goals and look forward with faith. Do you listen to these episodes and love what you hear and wonder where to start? My mentoring program opens in a few weeks, so ponder this in your heart if this is right for you. And in the meantime, if you're ready to start something right now, I invite you to take my Christian Meditation 40-Day Challenge course. Meditation is my most important practice of the day. I use it for so many things, especially identity. Changing the way you see yourself and speak about yourself is foundational to your growth. Meditation is the perfect ritual and powerful practice to make that lasting change effective. But the key is consistency. That's why I love that this is a 40-day challenge. The challenge is to do it for 40 consecutive days. Starting a new habit and even more so being consistent with it can be tricky. This is why I offer every student a free buddy pass. This allows you to pick your own friend or family member to take the course with you. You get to have your own accountability partner and you both do the challenge together. Two people start a new empowering practice instead of just one. If this is calling out to you, I invite you to register in the link in the show notes, or you can find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. I am cheering you on. 